Hello and welcome to the Mindset Coach Podcast, the show where coaches and coaches-to-be tune in to learn how to integrate mindset coaching tools and neuroscience-based techniques into their practice and grow and scale a coaching business they love. Each week, I'll be sharing easy-to-implement tips, case studies, and business strategies that you can use right away to transform your own mindset and the mindset of those you coach. I'm your host, Lara Young, founder of the Mindset Coach Academy, author of 52 Adventures to Change Your Life, award-winning business owner, coach, and coach trainer. Tune into this podcast each Friday, free on all the podcasting apps, and click to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, mindset is everything. Hello and welcome. This week we're going to be continuing on our theme really around the inner critic and we're going to move on to a topic which is self-compassion. A lot of people uh, wrote to me last week commenting on the episode that we did around, you know, how to recognize the inner critic, what the inner critic is made up of and some activities that you as coaches can do with your clients and yourselves to help them to silence their inner critic. And and part of that is really about self-compassion and really being gentle and kind with yourself and how do we actually do that? How do we actually help our clients to do it? What sorts of things can we do so that our clients can be really supportive of themselves when things go right, as well as when maybe things don't go according to plan? So to kick off, I really wanted to talk about three of those key elements of self-compassion, and they are really self-kindness versus self-judgment, common humanity versus isolation, and mindfulness versus over-identification. So let's dive into what these actually mean. And as you listen in, you may notice that you are doing some of the things. Um, Maybe you recognize your clients in some of this as well. And part of that, part of this is what that's about, right? Is recognizing these behaviors, these tendencies in ourselves and our clients. So then we can develop exercises, activities, coaching, tools and strategies to be able to help them to move from self-judgment, move from that inner critic into self-compassion and into really uh, being in a space where they can move on and achieve the results they desire, knowing that they're completely worthy and deserving of doing so. So the first one is looking at self-kindness and self-judgment. So self-kindness, as the name may suggest, is the practice of being really gentle, understanding and supportive towards yourself, particularly during times of struggle or failure. So this actually is about offering the same kind of compassion that you'd extend to a close friend or a family member who's in a similar situation. And self-kindness allows for self-acceptance and the recognition that imperfection, believe it or not, (laughs) is a natural part of the human experience. So in contrast to this, in contrast to self-kindness, we have self-judgment. And this really involves being critical and harsh and unforgiving towards yourself. This can lead to feelings, of course, of shame and guilt and unworthiness. And what happens here is we tend to be blaming ourselves excessively for our failures or shortcomings rather than actually 
looking at external factors that may have contributed to the situation. So you can see if we think about this on a continuum, you've got self-kindness on one where you're compassionate and loving towards yourself and on the other hand where you're highly engaging in self-judgment and criticism. So think about yourself, think about where you are generally and where you are when something maybe doesn't go according to plan. Are you more likely to be kind and caring towards yourself or are you more likely to be more judgmental? And again, this is just something for you to reflect on because awareness is the first part in change. The next one is common humanity versus isolation. So common humanity is really about the understanding that all people experience challenges, setbacks and imperfections as part of our shared human experience. It is, after all, what makes us human. Recognising common humanity helps individuals to feel connected to others and it reduces feelings of isolation when facing difficulties. So we know that we are not alone. And what this means is that there's a sense of belonging and empathy because we can start to recognise and relate to the struggles of others and we can realise that we're not alone. We're not alone in our experience. I mean, the COVID, COVID-19 has a great example of that where we recognise that you know, that was globally a shared human experience of being isolated, of, you know, having to be in lockdown, uh, depending on what country you were in. And this sort of brought about that real sense of camaraderie, of belonging and of shared human experience. When I was in Cambridge in the UK, we used to go out on a Thursday night and we would clap for the NHS. We'd see our neighbours over the fence and say hello. And just recognising that you're not alone in an experience somehow makes it easier, right? It somehow makes it easier to know that there are other people who are experiencing a similar thing to you. On the other hand, isolation occurs when we believe that we're the only ones experiencing hardships or failures. So I'm the only one going through this. And of course, this can lead to feelings of loneliness and alienation and even shame. So when people feel like they're the only one experiencing something, they're much less likely to seek out support or share their experiences, and this actually makes it worse. So one of the things that you can do as a coach here or as a therapist is to, on your social media, in your content marketing, share your experiences so that people can recognise that they aren't alone, that you understand and that you have some empathy for what they're going through because perhaps you've also walked a mile or two in their shoes. You know what it's like. It's a shared experience rather than an isolating one. The next one is mindfulness over over identification. So mindfulness is a practice about really being fully present and aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences without any judgment or attachment. So it really just involves observing and accepting your emotions and your mental states without getting overly absorbed or consumed by them. And mindfulness really does help us to create this more balanced perspective rather than a reactive one. And it does help to foster self-awareness of how we react to certain situations. And also it helps us to regulate our emotions more effectively as well. If we can anticipate that something maybe we're going to have an emotional response to, that then we can start to really prepare and also emotionally regulate. 
And of course, the Mindset Coaching Toolkit has a lot of skills and a lot of techniques that we can use around emotion and emotional responses very, very powerful so that we can help our clients to recognize emotion without actually being wholly consumed by them to the extent that they prevent action or they result in a negative reaction. Now, over-identification is where we get overly caught up in our thoughts and emotions and where we keep repeating those negative thought patterns around in our head. We keep thinking about the problem. We might have an argument with someone. We might then focus on it and focus on it until it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger um, and, and, you know, potentially bigger than it was. And when individuals tend to over-identify with their experiences, what happens is that they lose perspective and it can really be challenging then to separate them, themselves from feelings or thoughts. So it's really powerful in terms of, you know, when we do step more into mindfulness, because otherwise if we're over-identifying, if we're hanging on to those things, then obviously we have, you know, even more heightened emotional distress and we're not able to cope with challenging situations. And we want to be able to help our clients to be able to cope with challenging situations, to be able to overcome any obstacles that may arise and use their emotions to do that. Because we know, don't we, that emotions precede action. And so we want our clients to be able to be in emotions that are really resourceful for them and really useful for them. Not denying the experience of unresourceful or negative emotion, absolutely tuning in and listening to those, but not to the extent where we're over-identifying and it becomes almost part of our identity that we cling on to those things. So by practicing mindfulness, you can really help your clients to, um, you know, to be more aware of themselves and their own responses um, and, you know, to really dive deeply into how they can be more resilient because the more resilient we are, the more able we are to cope, to bounce back, to recognise that when we don't succeed, it's not failure, it's just learning. And then we all have that, um, that ability to learn from every single experience that we have. And so it's very important that we help our clients to cultivate self-kindness and understanding about common humanity, that there is a shared human experience, and also that they can start to practice mindfulness. Now, how does it actually show up, right? So how does not being self-compassionate show up for people? Well, let's take a couple of examples from a client. We'll take a client and we'll also take a coach example. So Sarah is a 35-year-old marketing manager who struggles with work-life balance and feels overwhelmed by her daily tasks. So she recently missed a deadline at work because she was juggling multiple projects and personal commitments. Instead of acknowledging her efforts and the external circumstances, Sarah spirals into negative self-talk. So what happens is Sarah blames herself entirely for the missed deadline and labels herself as a failure and incompetent. Tuning in here, if this resonates with you, or maybe you're recognising your clients in this as well. These are very common scenarios. Sarah believes she's the only one in her team who can't manage her workload efficiently. 
leading to feelings of isolation. She thinks she's the only one. That goes back, doesn't it, to common human experience versus isolation. And then Sarah obsesses over the missed deadline, magnifying the event's importance and its impact on her career. And again, that is really about, you know, stepping into the process of over-identification, okay? So really remunerating on it, you know, worrying about it, and it just keeps going over and on over in her mind. Want to learn more about how you can become a certified mindset coach? Head on over to our website, www.mindsetcoachacademy.com forward slash coach certification, and you'll find all the information that you need along with a button to book a call with me to talk about how you can become the best coach you can be. So here's another example. This is Michael. Michael is a 40-year-old life coach who specializes in helping clients achieve work-life balance and personal growth. So Michael's been working with a new client, John, for a few weeks. However, John hasn't made significant progress towards his goals, causing Michael to doubt his coaching ability. So here's how a lack of self-compassion would show up for Michael. Michael criticizes himself for not being an effective coach and now believes he should have a more significant impact on John's progress by now. He thinks things should be further ahead than this. He compares himself to other coaches in his field who appear to have more successful client outcomes, making him feel inadequate and isolated. Michael's negative thoughts about his coaching ability consume him, preventing him from focusing and finding new strategies to help John. And this is a really, I mean, all three of those are important, right, and relevant. And I hope you're finding these case studies useful because certainly in the Mindset Coach Certification Program, we do use a lot of case studies because they really do bring our coaching to life. They bring the challenges to life. They bring real-life examples into the arena that we can then examine and explore and think, well, what will we do? What, what techniques will we use in those situations? So in both of these examples, and again, you may recognize them in yourself or in your clients, they demonstrate individuals who are really not showing themselves self-compassion. They're engaging in half self-judgment, they're isolating themselves from others, and they're focusing excessively on their perceived failures. So if they were to take a more self-compassionate approach, what they'd be doing is they'd be acknowledging their efforts, recognizing that setbacks are part of the human experience and maintaining a balanced perspective on the situation. So, you know, with those examples, and I hope as well that as part of your coaching practice, you are starting to notice these themes and threads coming through with your clients so that you're noticing that maybe your clients do have some common issues, some common problems, some common situations that they face. And take note of these, you know, because as you start to notice these common themes, and if you have a well-defined niche and an ideal client, then in all likelihood, you will have a lot of these common themes emerging within your clients. So what I recommend that you do then is start to write down and group out these things that your clients are experiencing. So then you can start to really plan out your tasking effectively 
And, you know, I'm a big believer in having a framework that you use for your coaching to ensure that you help your clients go from A to B really effectively, no matter what tools and techniques that you use. And that, that those sessions are interspersed with tasking that you're going to do with your clients. And I shared a task, a couple of tasks in the last uh, episode, and I'm going to share a task with you that you can do with your clients to help with self-compassion and and to really help them to practice speaking kindly and understandingly to themselves. And we do this by imagining that they would they're speaking to a friend or a loved one. You know, we often say, don't we, that we wouldn't speak to other people often the way that we speak to ourselves. And when we think about it in a critic and a negative self-talk, we also think about, you know, catastrophizing or um, you know, over-identifying, then we really can help by actually just taking this different perspective in our relationship with ourselves. And so here's a very simple technique that you can use with your clients to encourage self-compassion. And it's actually, it's actually one that's simple and really powerful. And what I find is that the effects of doing this are long-lasting because people can go back to this time and time again. So what you do in this exercise is that you invite your client to imagine that a close friend or a loved one is in the same situation and experiencing the same feelings as they are. And you're going to encourage them to consider what kind and supportive words they would offer to that person in a similar situation or the same situation. So then what you're going to do is you're going to ask your client to write a letter to themselves as if they were writing it to their friend or loved one and use the same compassionate tone, understanding and encouragement that they would offer someone else. And what I often say to my clients and to my students in the Mindset Coach Academy is that we need to make sure that the letter includes these elements. So First of all, we want to acknowledge the feelings and emotions. So you're still, you you would do this in a coaching session, right? You're going to acknowledge the feelings and emotions of your client. Your client is going to acknowledge the feelings and emotions they're experiencing. So this may read, I understand that you're feeling overwhelmed and disappointed right now. So that reflects back the emotions and it really speaks to the fact that they've heard, they've listened to, they've understood. Okay, so I understood. I understand that you're feeling overwhelmed and disappointed right now. The second thing it should include is offering empathy and understanding of their situation. So it's normal to feel this way when you face challenges or setbacks. You're not alone in experiencing these feelings. Again, pointing to the human condition, right? So it's normal to feel this way when you face challenges or setbacks. You're not alone in experiencing these feelings. And then you can remind them of their strengths and past achievements. So, for example, remember that you've overcome difficult situations before and you can have the resilience to get through this as well. And again, that speaks to their ability to uh, step into that resilient space and to overcome any setbacks or obstacles. The fourth thing that you want to include is to provide gentle guidance or suggestions for moving forward. So this may read, Take some time to reflect on what you can learn from this experience and how you can use it to grow and improve. And again, this is something that we would ask our clients to do potentially in a live situation, in a live coaching session. 
what we're inviting them to do in this instance is to write it down in this self-compassion letter to themselves. So take some time to reflect on what you can learn from this experience and how you can use it to grow and improve. Now, once the clients finish writing the letter, you ask them to read it out aloud to themselves. Now, you can either do this as a task or you can have the client complete the letter in the session with you and they can then, if they choose, read it to you as well. And so there's lots of different ways you can approach the letter. You could also create a letter template in Canva for them to use and you could have like little sentence stems, the stems that I've just uh, shared with you there so that they're all in that document and then the client just needs to fill in the blanks and write paragraphs or complete the paragraphs underneath them. One of the interesting things that we want to explore with our client as well once they've written this self-compassion letter is to have them have them uh, explore how they feel when they read the letter and what other insights or emotions emerged during that writing process. What aha moments did they have? And then we can also encourage our client to keep the letter and, and read it whenever they need that reminder of self-compassion. And, you know, this can be applicable to any situations that they may encounter in, in the future. It doesn't have to be reading it as a reminder. It's a reading it as a reminder of how resilient, of how loved and how, you know, part of the human experience they actually are. Um, and so it's very, very powerful that your client has this as a resource, not just in the immediate situation, but also for the future as well. So, in terms of coaching, right, and being a coach, we also want to be able to develop self-compassion. And so there are some things that we can do to be more compassionate towards ourselves. And I know that what I've said previously in the episode so far and in last week's episode well, may well have resonated. You may well have recognised yourself in some of those case studies even. And that's great because in recognition, of course, then we can do something about it, we can make a shift or a change. So here are some things that you can actually do, especially maybe if you are facing some obstacles uh, in your coaching practice, you may be facing, you know, a little uncertainty around client attraction or being visible, or maybe sometimes you get into a coaching session and you're unsure of what to do next. Now, in addition, of course, to equipping yourself with accredited certification and training and and more skills and really developing yourself professionally, there are some things that you can personally do as well. And I'm just going to share those with you now because, you know, I think the more that as coaches we can step into and lean into and role model compassion and self-compassion for ourselves, the easier it is for us to encourage that in our clients because we're doing it. We're an embodiment of what these practices look like and how they actually really do shift ourselves from, you know, self-criticism and judgment to self-compassion. So the very first one is mindfulness. Now, developing a regular mindfulness practice. So that could be deep breathing. It could be meditation. And this is really just about becoming more aware of your thoughts and emotions. It does not need to be a long practice. You can do a four-minute deep breathing session or a three-minute deep breathing session or a three-minute awareness session 
Or you can, of course, do longer meditation practices as well. Now, this will really help you to recognize when you are engaging in negative self-talk or self-criticism, and it will allow you to respond with self-compassion instead because you start to recognize and become more aware of those thoughts that just float in and float out of your mind. And also with mindfulness, of course, you're going to be more present in the now, more conscious of focusing on the present moment, getting done what needs to be done in the present time. The next is self-awareness. Now, one of the things that I really encourage coaches to do, whether they're in training with me and going into practice or whether they're established and in practice already, is to really practice self-awareness of your coaching by keeping a coaching log and a coaching journal. And this is really about a self-reflection piece about your coaching experiences, the successes you've had, the challenges, and really just to gain a deeper understanding of your own strengths and the areas maybe that you want to improve on. It also gives you the opportunity to acknowledge all those accomplishments that you've had uh, and also then any setbacks that you may have had, whether that's a client that you can't seem to help move forward or whether that is, you know, in terms of your practice, maybe you've got some client spots vacant, uh, maybe you are not as visible as you'd like to be, but you can actually reflect on that and look on those setbacks as opportunities for growth and learning. And, you know, this is really, really powerful that it's not something that setbacks don't become something that stop us in our tracks, but become an opportunity for us to really grow and learn and develop. So if you haven't already got a coaching journal, I'd highly recommend that you do have one. I want to be very clear. This is very separate and distinct from the notes that you take during a client coaching session. This is really about your self-reflection, about how well the sessions went, what, what challenges presented themselves, and also what opportunities there are and what were the successes that you had. Sometimes it comes in the form of testimonials, etc. What were the successes? You know, when you see that client have that incredible aha moment during a coaching session, very, very powerful indeed. So the third thing I want you to be able to do and to develop is a skill to be able to reframe your own negative thoughts. So when you notice those self-critical thoughts popping up, intentionally reframe them with kinder and more understanding language. For example, instead of thinking, I'm a terrible coach because my client didn't make any progress this week, consider my client may not have made progress this week, but setbacks are a normal part of the growth process. I'll continue to support and guide them towards their goals. So just getting in and reframing those negative thoughts really helps. Okay. What are you going to do instead? What else could this mean? Number four is to practice self-kindness. Now, this is treating yourself with the same care, understanding and encouragement that you offer your clients. We hold space so beautifully for our clients, don't we? We give them time. We give them attention. We give them a non-judgmental space in which to share with us. And so it's really important that you remember no one is perfect and it's really important to be patient and gentle with yourself as you navigate your coaching journey. And there may be negative thoughts that come up for you and whether it's comparisonitis or imposter syndrome, whatever it is, it's really important that you can recognize it and then reframe that experience. 
The next one is practice self-kindness. So you want to treat yourself with the same care, understanding and encouragement you offer your clients. Remember, no one is perfect and it's important to be patient and gentle with yourself as you navigate your coaching journey. There are going to be highs, there are going to be lows, there's going to be everything in between. So treat yourself as you would a cherished client, holding space for them, holding space for yourself in a kind, loving and non-judgmental way. The next is to connect with others. So share your experiences, both your successes and your challenges with other coaches or mentors. This is one of the most valuable parts of the Mindset Coach Certification Program and our Coaches Success Accelerator because you have these coaching communities that are there for each other, right? That there is that connection and sharing experiences because this can help to just normalize your own experiences and fosters that experience of common humanity. Other people are experiencing similar things to you. And it's also, of course, an opportunity to learn from others and gain valuable insights and perspectives. The next thing is to set realistic expectations. Recognize that growth and progress often take time. And it's really essential that you set realistic expectations for yourself and for your clients. So what we want to do is we want to set goals for ourselves at all different levels. We want our wow goals. Absolutely, we do. We also want goals that we can achieve along the way so that we're constantly gaining and maintaining that momentum. And this means that we're not feeling like we're inadequate or disappointed because we are consistently achieving milestones. The next is to develop a growth mindset. So this is really where we start to view those challenges and setbacks as an opportunity to learn and improve. And I often say this, but cultivating an attitude of curiosity and openness towards your experiences and you know, is just so valuable and so powerful. And this really does help you because it means that you can then maintain that commitment to ongoing personal development and professional development because you're curious, you want to know more about how to more effectively work with your clients and how to develop yourself, develop your balance, develop your, um, from your personal perspective, develop everything about you. Uh, It's an ongoing journey, right? We're all on this lifelong journey of learning, personal development and professional development. And the final one is really to engage in self-care. And this is about prioritizing your own well-being. And this could be something as simple as making sure that you get enough physical exercise, that you are looking after your body, you're looking after your emotional well-being, you're looking after your mental health and whatever activities that for you enable that to happen, do those. Okay, so it may include things like exercising, healthy eating, hobbies, spending time with your loved ones, people who light you up or engaging in other kind of personal development activities yourself. It's uh, just so important that we can cultivate those outlets, those in enjoyable experiences that we just love and that bring us back in contact and in touch with who we are, what we love. Okay. So when we start to bring all of these things into our daily lives, we can really start to nurture that self-compassion within ourselves. And this actually is a two for one, because when we practice self-compassion with ourselves as coaches, it means that our overall well-being increases 
and we embody that energetically and then that transmits out so that we're better supporting our clients and you know that's what it's all about you know being able to support our clients to achieve their goals in the most lasting positive and transformational way possible is what we're all about as coaches in practice so I'd love to hear your thoughts. How do you practice self-compassion? What about this episode specifically resonated with you? You can drop a comment below or you can also email me, lara at mindsetcoachacademy.com. And I look forward to seeing you in next week's episode. And just a brief reminder that the Mindset Coach Certification Program, our next one is coming up in October 2023. Enrollments are now open. And also in May, the week of the 22nd of May, we have our Mindset Dimensions Practitioner Program starting. And that is, they're both ICF accredited programs, both the Mindset Coach Certification and the Mindset Dimensions Practitioner, uh, both ICF accredited. And Mindset Dimensions, of course, is our diagnostic tool. It's an online diagnostic that your clients take, and it gives you as a coach this holistic picture of the seven dimensions of their mindset. So it lets you know their beliefs, their beliefs about their capability and their beliefs about uh, their worthiness, hopelessness, deservedness, so self-worth, self-esteem. It also gives you their values across eight areas of their life. It gives you their behavioral preferences, so whether or not they're more on the introverted, extroverted scale, more global or detailed. We measure 20 different behavioral preferences. We also measure the communication style, so how they prefer to show up. We measure their self-talk. We also measure emotional frequency. So what are the emotions that your clients are experiencing on a regular basis? Now, from all of these reports, what we get is a holistic view of our client's mindset, and it really is the foundation from which you can start coaching, and you then know where to look, what to work with specifically Uh, early on in the coaching relationship that's going to have the most transformational impact. So in the Mindset Dimensions Practitioner Certification, we not only teach you how to administer, interpret the report and all the richness of the information in there, we also teach you how to coach based on each of those different areas. So we look at how to coach based on the results of the beliefs report, behaviours, values, communication, emotions, etc. So it is a really, really... uh, professional training and it's really in-depth and comprehensive and it also gives you a very good foundation in understanding mindset and how that is really one of the most essential things that we must work on with our clients in order for them to get the results that they desire. So that's Mindset Dimensions. And if you do want to go and have a look at that, it's mindsetdimensions.com or certainly just reach out to me and I can give you some more details. So thank you. Look forward to seeing you in next week's episode. Bye for now. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of the Mindset Coach Podcast. Remember to join us next week for another episode and subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review if you've loved it. Share it with your friends. And I really look forward to learning how you're implementing the tools and techniques that you're learning here. Mindset is everything.